0: welcome to the audacity church podcast we pray that you are blessed by what you hear today we love to hear stories of what god is doing in people's lives take some time to share your story of how god is working in your life and email us at amen at now prepare your heart to hear from god today we were going to answer the question under the question because the question is, how many second chances do I get? But the question under the question is this. It's like, hey, you know what? I really don't understand grace. It's, it's, it's incomprehensible. I mean, grace doesn't make sense. And you're right. The question under the question of how many second chances do I get, the real question is, hey, aren't I just good enough? And what we want to do is we want to take our moral record and, and, and just basically mirror it in front of a just and holy God and ask him, hey, you know, aren't I qualified? And so we get in these seasons of life where we start to question God. And so I'm going to give you three answers. Everybody say three answers to the question. I'm going to do them quick. Don't get nervous. The fajitas will be upstairs when we're done. The first one is, but God. Everybody say, but God. And the second answer is, Jesus paid it all. The last answer we're going to look at is the advocate. And those are the three answers to the question of how many second chances do I get? I need you to turn the person next to you and say, he's about to preach and I'm about to learn something. All right. All right. I'm excited for you. See, the underlining question is how many second chances do I get is we really put ourselves in front of a just and holy God if he's the creator of the universe and this is what we say. Am I good enough? (laughs) See, the question when we, when we ask, am I good enough? What we really do is we turn the salvation of Jesus Christ through faith, through grace and faith, and we're, we start really playing with moralism. Now, see, moralism is a, is a good thing, but it's also a dreadful thing. See, uh, what, we, what we really want to do is we really want to measure our record up against a just and holy God. And this becomes uh, uh, what I will call comparative theology. We're like, well, you know what? What? Um, And uh, I'm really good to my wife. Or, you know what, I've never lied still or I've never cheated. You know, I I deserve salvation. And it becomes moralism. And it really is this Jesus plus moral effort is what um, affirms me or what gives me salvation and strength. There's a dude that wrote a book. His name's Darren Patrick, and this is a quote. He said, "In moralism, we give God our moral record and demand that He bless us because of our compliance with God's law." That's, a, that's just a wrong end of the spectrum to be on. We, we say, God, you know, uh, I, have, I have this moral record, and, and I do all of these things, and, and now I need you to bless me." And then that's where we get confused because then we blow it. I'll blow it later today, and if not today, I'll blow it tomorrow. You guys should have seen me this morning. It's really unspiritual. See those who were here are laughing. And now y'all, yeah, it happens. And what happens is we get in this where we 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 we, we like for me, let me just tell you what my issue is for those of you who are new around here. I like uh control. And um so no, not him. And so I have this plan of how things should go and 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 how uh the service should look and And, uh, you know, like when people should be here or whatever it might in one of those. I'm like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. And then when two of them happen, I'm just like, Job, why? Why, Lord? I mean, I get all flustered. And what happens is we just really don't think we're good enough. We really don't think that God's grace is enough. So, you know, and uh, y'all should read the Bible. It's a good book. Um, there's 66 books. It's written about 40 different authors uh, over several hundred years, three different languages. It was written primarily on three different continents. And it's all this single message. To you and I. It's like a love letter where God gives us a story. And the whole Bible tells the story of redemption. So when you ask the question, how many second chances do I get? And the conviction that you have is, you know, well, you know, God's God's condemning me because, you know, I cut somebody off on the highway, or God's wrath is coming in. What happens is we start to we become moralists. And this is what I want you to know. You are never, nor will you be ever good enough for the grace of God. But he loves you anyway And so because he knew you were a lot like me and i'm this morning while i'm worshiping i'm like father I have no business preaching I mean people show up late and then some guy Comes in and wants to spend i've never met him before Comes in and just pours his life story on me and I say hey stick around and then he leaves i'm like I just gave you 15 minutes. I ain't even dressed yet I mean all these things happened this morning And then i'm like man, I don't even deserve to be standing up there this morning and it's, it's morality. I'm going to tell you just a little couple things. A couple things. See, there's this dude named Jacob. And the Bible says he was a conniver, he was a thief. But when God saw him, God said, You will be one who rules with God or one who wrestles with God. But God saw something different in him. There was a dude named David, David was an adulterer. But God called him a man after his own heart. This is all in the book. You should read it. Noah got drunk. I mean, the dude got plastered. I mean, it was worse than any frat party you or I have ever, well, you have ever been to. Just kidding. But God, (laughs) sorry, that was awful. But God used Noah to help save humankind at that time. Peter denied and then cursed Christ on the worst night of Jesus' life. But God saw Peter as the cornerstone, and was he was going to be the head of the church. Man, it's going to get better. Paul was a murderer; the dude killed Christians for a living. But God saw in him a world changer and a church planner. Man, Jonah ran from God. He ran. None of y'all ever ran huh? Just like trying to outrun him. Like he's not all encompassing. Like, God, I know that you are omnipresent, but I'm going to outrun you somehow. But see, Jonah ran from y'all. God, but God used Jonah and Jonah, Jonah was a racist. He looked at other people and say, they aren't Israelites. They don't deserve the grace of God. And then that's why he ran. That's in the story. You should read it. Guys, read Jonah. It's really short. Just read that one when you get home. But God saw someone that could change an entire nation. Gideon was full of fear. He's hiding from his enemy. And but God said, "O oh, mighty man of valor." And he looked at Gideon and saw a warrior. Moses was a st- st- stutterer. He couldn't even get a sentence out. But God saw somebody that he would place in the presence of kings. Zacchaeus was a crook. I mean, the dude just stole money from taxes from people. He was considered in society the lowest of lows. But God saw somebody worthy of salvation and grace. Abraham was old. Maybe some of y'all are old. Like, well, I can't go to the mission field. You know what? But God decided to start something new in his old age. This was good. I wrote this one down too. Lazarus was dead. (laughs) talk about, you know, the tables being flipped on you, but God saw new life. So maybe you're a stuttering, conniving, adulterous, crook, drunk, God cursor, rebellious murderer, full of fear and dead and old. But what God might see is not how the world defines you, but how he wants to define you in Jesus Christ. You should get excited about that. Anytime you face impossible, impossible circumstance or time your moral record doesn't reflect what you need it to in Christ and you're wondering how many second chances you get, just tell the adversary that's speaking negativity into your heart, guess what, but God. I want you to say it. Say, but God. No matter what circumstance you're going through, no matter how this card has been unfairly stacked against you, but God. How many second chances do you get? You get as many second chances as God needs in order to be glorified through your life. See, we have this limited, finite view of God, like he's unable to use us in the midst of our brokenness. See, there's a lot of times that God wants to use your brokenness, the things that um, you think are, you're too, you're not strong enough. And he wants to use those so that he can be glorified. Now, I probably most days, um, I wake up every morning feeling like the least qualified person to lead a church. I barely got out of high school. And some of y'all think that's jo- funny. Uh, there's people that passed me so they never had to see me again. Um, I, I really did. And then I, I, there, my season where I ran from God, some of y'all have like, you know, some skeletons in your closet. I, like, I have an entire graveyards in mine. But God. See, I don't know where you feel underqualified. Maybe you feel like you're not worthy to do something. What's so funny is I spent most of my life as a stutterer. Matter of fact, yesterday in our department leader meeting, I couldn't stop stuttering. Like, there was a second. Or, okay, I, it, it still happens. I'm tired or and I'm nervous. See, I was, <laughs> so what is it that you, that prevents you from giving God all that he needs of you? But God. See, the reason but God is possible is because of our second answer to how many second chances do I get. See, Jesus paid it all. Will you say that with me? Say, Jesus paid it all. See, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages, it means the price. The price of sin is death, but God. But the gift of God is eternal life. Um, There's a church that asked me to come serve. I used to do youth rallies. Um, I did a few of them where, you know, people would come and they'd hear me speak. And um, a church asked me to come and serve as their youth pastor. And one night I'm preaching on this verse. And I said, but, and then I went and I made this statement. I said, there's a lot of beautiful buts in the Bible. And that's what happened with a bunch of teenagers. And I didn't get it because, once again, remedial. It was a little slow. See, this is one of those buts. See, there's a price for our sin. There's a price that has to be paid, but it's over. It's already been paid. See, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Gosh, it should get us excited. Ephesians puts it this way. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Whose grace? It ain't about you, my friend. We want to make everything about us. You want to make it about your moral record. God, I tithe, so now you need to bless my socks off. And there's some truth in that. The Bible does speak of sowing and reaping. Uh, his grace, his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known the mystery of his will according to his purpose. He goes on to say a little bit later in the same book in Ephesians chapter two, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Everybody say by grace through faith. We want to make it about us. And then he tells us, and this is not your own doing for people like you and I constantly trying to earn our way into the kingdom of heaven. It is a gift, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Man. See, understanding grace, um, Paul tells us in this the verse that we just read that it is a mystery. Uh, theologians, dudes that like study the Bible. And uh, what, what do we call those dudes around here? Dead dudes with beards. Um, those guys teach us certain aspects through their studies. And one of the things that they would say about grace is they would say that there's a saving grace. And the saving grace is when we come to Christ through faith, we are saved by grace. They would also give us a word called free grace. And the reason they want us to understand free grace is it's a gift. Now, listen, it is a free gift, and so there is no cost to you and I. But when we understand the gospel, it totally transforms our view of Jesus because although it is free to you and I, it was costly to Jesus. And although it is free in a receiving, it wasn't free in its cost. And then there's enabling grace. And this is what this is what we in the biblical term is called sanctification. <clears throat> it's the process of becoming more like Jesus, it's a fancy word. But in sanctification, there is enabling grace. And this is the grace through the power of the Holy Spirit where we can live in order to honor Christ with our lives god's love for us is unconditional if we're honest we know that we do not deserve it but it is freely given through you and i through the saving work of jesus christ when we fully understand the cost of our sin what we will do i promise you is we won't take the grace of god for granted when we love god with all of our heart with all of our strength and with all of our mind will you begin to crave being closer to jesus Let me ask you a question. How many sins did you commit uh, before Jesus died? How many of y'all are a little over 2,000 years old? Anybody? Here's the deal. All of your sin that you commit in life were done before Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he took all of your sin and placed them there. Jesus paid it all. Would you quit walking around defeated and being drugged down by your past? And would you start living for your future? Jesus paid it all. The wrath of God was placed on Christ on the cross. It's a gift of God. That wrath was fully placed on Christ so that the grace of God could be fully lavished upon us. Although we do not deserve it, we can walk confidently in it. When you act like God could never forgive you, you spit in the face when you, when you do that. When you act like you committed a sin and you walk in defeat like God can't forgive you, you might as well just spit on the cross. There is no sin with more power than the cross of Christ. That is really good. So I'm gonna say it again. Remember, we're a young church, and y'all learning how to talk back to me. I'm gonna give you another opportunity because you failed. There is no sin with more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. You want to know why you didn't amen me? Because you don't believe it. You still think that there is sin that you are currently in that is a stronghold on your life, that the cross of Christ is not powerful enough to remove it from your life. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. Maybe you covet your neighbor's 7 Series BMW. Is that only mean? Five series, actually. That's all right. Maybe it's coveting. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. There's something that you think is stronger than the cross of Christ. So many of you live defeated lives, and you spit in in Jesus' face every day. I'm just naturally depressed. I can go through your Facebook page. Some of you I've just hidden, not because I don't love you, but because you are depressing. Your view on life is nauseating. I'm, I'm being honest. I'll check back and see if you get better and then I might unhide you. This is the truth. Some of you live with such a depressed view of God, it's because you've not experienced the grace of God. Whoa, you. you oh, I'm going to preach. There is no sin with more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you stop living as though there is? Jesus paid it all. I love the old hymn. It says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. But God, Jesus paid it all and then I'm going to be quick on this one, but this is probably the most important thing that you will leave here with, and that is Jesus is our advocate. I want you to get this down, like deep down. See, Jesus is everything that you and I are not. See, you don't need to worry whenever you're struggling with something, when you're walking through sin, because you have an advocate. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and makes it the power of God in your life. This is what 1 John says. 1 John says this. This is chapter 2. It says, I am writing these things to you that you might not sin. John's basically challenging us, now that you've been saved by grace through faith, live an empowered life. And then he goes on to say this. He says, but, but God. You see how we did that? Like even Hank was a part of the buts today in the video. Did you? This could have been a but God series. It says this. But if anyone does sin, he has an advocate. See, we don't even get that word. I mean, really, we don't understand the word advocate. It doesn't even, we don't fully process the word advocate. It says this, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Part of my job is to go and study the Greek so that you don't have to. Let me just tell you, that's fun. Uh, This word, I can't even pronounce. I listened to it pronounced like 72 times. It's like parakaleolous. And I'm like, gosh, anything over three syllables and I'm out. I'm serious. I mean, really. But I want you to understand this word advocate. So I'm going to give you the definition in the he, from the Greek. I said Hebrew. I was a lie. It's in Greek. It says this. It means someone that is summoned. Okay? Has anybody ever been summoned for jury duty? Maybe a warrant? I don't know. Might have happened once. Um. You've been summoned to be somewhere. This one says that we are summoned to be called upon. So someone, the advocate, has been summoned to to appear before for someone's aid. It says this, one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a counselor, a defense, a legal assistant, an advocate. It goes on to say, one who pleads another's case as an intercessor. Are you starting to feel like the power of this word, advocate? So let me just explain this to you. When you blow it this morning, and you go before Jesus and you say, "Um, Father, I've sinned. My heart wasn't in the right place. I got frustrated when I shouldn't have been. And I just need you to forgive me because I know your word says that you are faithful to forgive those who confess to you. That's it. Now, in your mind and in my mind, we still carry that. I'm carrying it today. I'll be carrying it this afternoon probably. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy, kadosh. It's a Hebrew word. It means without sin, separated from sin. He can't even look at sin. The Bible says he is kadosh, kadosh, kadosh says that he is holy 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 the bible says that he can't even look upon sin and he has to impute his justice his holiness his perfectness upon sin isaiah 59 uh, verses 1 and 2 says that his hand is not shortened that he cannot say but your sins have separated you from your god so here's what happens you blow it And you confess your sin. Let me explain repentance to you. Repentance means I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and then I repent, and then I stop doing this. I stop doing this. I stop doing this. And it basically means 180. So some of y'all are repenting of your depression, of your greed, of your lust, but you're really doing it for moralism. You're not doing it so grace can change you. That one is true. So you don't really mean, hey, I'm, I, I, I want your forgiveness. But when you do, the Bible says that the Holy Father looks upon you in your sin. And then there's this advocate that slips right next to you, right next to the Father. The Bible says he's at the right hand of the throne of God. His name is Jesus. And he says, Father, you are holy. Father, your holiness requires a penalty for sin. And Ronnie, yeah, he blew it again. He got angry this morning, and he he shouldn't. But he came to me, and he confessed his sin to me, and he asked him to forgive him. Now, I know he's been angry before, and he's asked us, but in your justice and in your righteousness, there's no way that you would charge Ronnie for the same sin twice. And so since I already paid for the sin of Ronnie, I just want you to know it is finished. See God's justice and his holiness, and because of Jesus' death on the cross, there is no way that you or I have to worry about walking under the penalty of that sin. And that's what you're doing. Every day you it's like a giant backpack. My son has one. I don't I wish I had one. I should have thought this through. This is free, it's from the Holy Spirit. Here we go. It's like a giant backpack. And every morning what you do is you get out of bed, you take a shower, and then you go and you just put this backpack on. You put it on, and it's all your sin, and all your guilt, and all your shame, and all your failures, and all your mishaps, because you do not believe that Jesus Christ put it on the cross, and it was finished when he died. See, the truth is no matter what your circumstance is, but God is greater than your circumstance. The truth is no matter what you're walking through that seems unfair or unjust, guess what? Jesus paid it all. And no matter what you're going through, Jesus is your advocate Abba. The depth in the riches in the majesty of this advocate thing I know is really hard to get. And I, I get it. The reason that the, it's, it's really hard to get is because you want to be your own advocate. The really the reason that you worry about God not forgiving you is because you're trying to give God your moral record instead of Christ's perfect record. The Holy Spirit is there to help you as an advocate as well. The Bible says that the adversary is constantly seeking. Constantly seeking. He's an adversary, he's an enemy. And he does this in your heart. He gives you doubt, he gives you fear. He gives you insecurity and the Holy Spirit comes alongside the adversary and says, oh no, guess what? He's no longer a slave to fear because he's a child of God. Our, you know what, if you're honest and I'm honest, our hearts don't like grace. See, we like to be known by our own record. Our hearts don't like grace because grace messes with us. Your heart doesn't want to submit to grace because you want to be able to defend your record. Look at my perfect paper. Look at what I did. You're constantly earning. Would you stop trying to earn and would you just accept? Maybe you have a husband that makes you earn his approval. Guess what? Jesus has already loves you no matter what. You don't have to earn his approval. Maybe you have a boss that says you're never good enough, you're never going to amount to anything. Well, guess what? <laughs> Jesus says I made him that way. I made her that way, and I love them unconditionally. Maybe. And maybe for some of you, you're really scared to give your heart and life to Jesus because you're like, but God, what if he asks me to go and do something I'm uncomfortable with? He will never ask you to do something that he will not be present with you through. See, our hearts don't like grace. We'd rather hold on to fear and doubt and insecurity. There's these tough words in the Bible. It's on the cross of Christ. Jesus has hung there for hours. And he says... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was the only point in Jesus' life that we see Him outside of His whole pre-high priestly prayer in John 17. It's the only spot that we see Jesus use the word God. And it was in that moment that God placed the sin of the world upon Jesus and He separated Him from His presence so that He could take your sin And give you a perfect record. I need you to get this on the inside of you. See Jesus was stripped naked. So that you could be clothed in righteousness. Jesus was beaten. Beyond recognition as a man. So that you could be healed. And walk in holiness. Jesus was ridiculed. And spit upon. So you could be praised as a child of God. He was separated from God so that we could be reunited with God. Jesus had everything and he leaves the right hand of the throne of heaven and he becomes a man. The immaculate conception Jesus becomes a man so that he could live a perfect and sinless life, so that he could pay a penalty he did not owe, because you owe the price of a penalty that you could not pay without your death and being completely separated from God. Would you stop living your life like God is not for you? every time you let sin hold on to your life, every time you don't trust in the advocate that you have with the Father, every time that you do that, you are basically spitting on the cross of Christ. Would you allow, that the, allow the power of Jesus to live through your life? How many second chances do you get? You remember a few weeks ago, I said that anytime the Bible says something twice, it's really important. And if it says it three times, it's placing the highest level of importance on it. So Jesus wasn't saying that your sin that you walked through was only going to be forgiven 77 times. What Jesus was saying was, Peter, how the Father does it, is that number is immeasurable because my grace is incomprehensible. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.